today uh, the topic is uh, another digital transformation dx talk about estonia and their experience about e-government digital transformation and hopefully some uh, e-residency depends on the time uh, i am uh, rudy shushani i am uh, uh, leading into the uh, x uh, talks my background is 22 years in uh, ict uh, strategy governance cybersecurity and digital transformation my speaker today is annette uh, numa from estonia annette all yours Wonderful. First of all, hello, hello from my side here from uh, from Tallinn. We have a wonderful weather here. It is finally a summertime as well, and then things are already back in normal, back to normal as well here. So I feel very happy to spend this evening with you, and thank you for finding the chi- uh, time to join in uh, this uh, this evening here. So uh, my name is Annette Noman, and I'm working as a digital transformation advisor at the Estonia Briefing Center. So. These people who don't know what the Estonia Briefing Center is about, so what is my main job every day is to consult different government agencies all across the world, starting from Asia and finishing in South America, uh, Africa and so on. Um, and so uh, we, we have delegations from all across the world that are visiting us here every every single day. I mean, they used to if, if the borders were still opened. And we try to help them to go through this kind of transformation um, based on Estonian experience, because uh, you might have heard about Estonia as the most uh, digital country in the world. Uh, today, everything is fully working online here, and we would like to help other, other governments as well, um, because we, of, of course, also have done some mistakes and have learned uh, our experiences and that's why um, we we share our knowledge uh, so that everyone could learn from our experiences and could do uh, the same steps that we have done in a, in a past and then we could fully support uh, the entire world on, on these aspects as well here. I'm going to go ahead and, and share my screen uh, so that you can also have something else that just my face to look at this wall here. So would you have to make me... Um, yes, I did. Yeah. All right. So... Yeah, that was actually the introduction slide, but I was late a little bit as well here. But um, to get a little bit uh, on an historical background so that you would understand why Estonia is such a success story and why we're different than maybe some other countries or what were the steps that we were doing here that made us to um, become such a success story. So if you have heard about our past here, it wasn't the most brilliant past that we had. Um, because Estonia was under the Soviet Union occupation for a very long time. And we regained our independence at 1991. If you think about this, this is less than 29 years ago. So, I mean, they usually consider that the person who is 29 years old is still like a teenager or a very young person. And I would say that also Estonia is a very young country. Uh, But when you also focus now on our population and the area here, can see here we just have 1.3 million people living here but actually the area of Estonia is not the smallest and I was just checking how how big or how small Lebanon was and, and it turns out that you're four times smaller by the area um, but six times bigger by the population and why I'm saying and why I'm mentioning these two uh, numbers here is because since we we gained the independence this became a very huge problem here in Estonia Um, that we had a huge territory, but not many people. And if you think about this, these people are divided all across the states, living in a very, very tiny, small areas. There are some islands. We have actually hundreds of islands here in Estonia. 
And and there might be maximum, ten, um, I don't know, let's say five to ten people on, on one single island. And it turned out that we still have to provide access to public services for absolutely everyone, no matter actually where they live. Are they living in a bigger city or in a smaller town? They need to have access to public services. But at the same time, Estonian state budget at 1992 was 130 million euros. Think about this for a second. 130 million euros for the entire state. So this is like 100 euros per, per like base for entire year. This is, this is nothing. So we were lacking of money and we still had problems such as corruption and the trust that was missing between the government and, and the citizens. And, and these three problems were like still remaining there. And our new built government said, okay, guys, we need to solve it somehow. And, and we can't do things in the same way that everyone else are doing because we're going to lack up the money. People will be mad. And then we are not going to get rid of the corruption and we are not going to get the trust back here. And that was a point where technology came along. And our prime minister at that time, who was, by the way, a very young guy, he was in his 30s. So he said, okay, maybe technology is going to able to help us to solve these problems. And we can also decrease the level of the cost for the state by having this kind of solution. And he was all correct, because today we have 99% of the services working online. And this really is a very efficient way to manage the state here. But I'm happy to tell you that the entire process of this transformation started already from 1994. And you heard it right, it was 1994. Uh, so we didn't need any kind of crisis to tell us that, okay, um, you need to change something. It was already at 1990s, so that was kind of crazy, I would say, here. But um, after many years of hard work now, uh, where we have arrived today is that, as I said, 99% of the services are fully uh, already working online. Is there anyone of you here at the moment who knows what are the two only things, only two public services that Estonian people still do on paper these days? Only have two of them left. Is there anyone who wants to wants to answer here? What might be these two things <laughs> nice that quiz. they leave home? Anybody is ready to answer this? I, I think uh, death, death certificates. Uh, no. When, uh, when, no. Someone, when someone dies, uh, then the uh, their dedication goes uh, online. And um, it's actually already a proactive service that different government agencies will be informed when someone has died. And, and of course, the family does not have to go around with the papers, but can do everything online. And the same with a birth dedication. But um, think about this. What would be the two things that I will have to leave my sofa if I want to do these two things? Only two things. And there are two, uh, two of them are linked to each other. So one is for a good reason, another one is for a bad reason. And it's actually a very traditional thing. And uh, and yeah, I, I would say traditional might be the best word to de describe that. Eat? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, you, you can eat on the sofa. So I'm going to help you here. But if I'm going to answer this myself now, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're going to be like, okay, I, I, I should have thinking about that. It's about getting married. And it's about getting divorced. These are the only things that I need to leave home for. So we can't get married online and we can't get divorced online. But this is, I guess, pretty logical. If you think about this, how much trouble we would have when people just based on the moods 
could get married and if, if they, uh, I don't know, if they have been drinking, they could get married and if they uh, wake up in the morning, they could get divorced and, and such kind of things could happen and we don't really want this to be the sconing case here. But of course, if you want to have the services, public services online, what is our suggestion? The first step that any, any country should do is to actually cover the entire state with a good internet connection and this is what we have been doing since the very beginning of the days. Because if there is no internet connection on this tiny island, what's the point of having the services? Internet right. connection needs to be their first point. And then um, when we move over on, a, on the right side, uh, side of the screen as well here, you can see that 98% of the Estonian population also has an electronic ID card. And this is a compulsory document that we have here in Estonia. So everyone needs to have it here. So we don't need to have a passport because our electronic ID card is just spent for everything. I travel with a card. This is my driving license. I get my prescriptions, my medicals from the card. That's my library card. I get the discounts from the shops if I want to buy something. Just everything with one single card. And, and, and I guess this is more efficient than having just kind of passport that does not give you anything. Uh, you can't really present that anywhere. So, so that was first step and I'm, I'm happy to say that the electronic ID card was already here since 2002. Think about this, for the past 18 years we have been living on, on this card as well here. And as I mentioned already before to someone as well here in the audience, that Estonia is also the first country in the world who started using blockchain on a national level, because I think this actually provides an, an extra level of security, because think about this, that if all of your citizens' information and data is fully based online, you need to take a very good care of this information, otherwise people are not going to trust this society anymore. So that's why we're not gonna, we're never uh, getting tired of investing money on, on the cybersecurity and all these kind of security aspects that are very, very important here. But um, I guess the most common question that my delegations have been asking me um, is that how much money and how much time do you usually save by having this kind of digital government? And, and it's actually pretty difficult to, to count these numbers. Uh, what we have been calculating is that every single solution that is introduced here in Estonia will pay off after development in four months. So after every four months, the solution already pays off and, and, and is actually uh, worth uh, developing process to go here. But I also have tried to calculate some numbers here on the screen as well that just with one single solution, we can also sign all of our documents uh, digitally. And by doing this, every single Estonian citizen saves five days per year. And if you consider five days, this is like an extra week of vacation. And who wouldn't like to have uh, like extra week of vacation just because that you can sign things on online? And, and how much uh, money the government saves? Um, so I think this is even better. Uh, 2% of the GDP is being saved every single year just because people can sign things online. And and 2% of the GDP, by the way, guys, is the money we spend on defense and security. And is this more important? I guess we don't have any question in that. So obviously, we will stick on that. And when today, um, even though the entire world is in lockdown, uh, when there would be elections happening in Estonia, we wouldn't have absolutely any problems because we also have i-voting online. So we can uh, participate in elections, parliament, uh, also local elections and European parliament elections by using our i-voting application. 
and we have been using this application for the past 15 years already. Think about that already. again. 15 years already. So that's a very long time. And, and today, uh, I mean, the last year when we had elections, so almost half of our population was already using this application. And if people are living abroad, I mean, this is just fantastic. You don't need to go to the embassy. We only have 37 embassies in, in a world, and there are 200 countries. So when you live in, uh, there is no embassy in Lebanon. Uh, I guess the nearest one might be somewhere in, in Abu Dhabi. I, I don't know, somewhere around there. And, and, and you don't need to fly over there to participate in elections, but you can just open your computer and do everything there as well. So um, honestly, I, I guess this just gives us so much ways to be location independent and actually do things remotely uh, that the rest of the world is or like is hazing to do as well right now. But, um, but something as well, uh, that if you are uh, interested, uh, what are the very, very necessary things before a country can start this transformation? So what is my advice here is that think about these three pillars. And I have tried to put them on here in the most simple way that you could remember them easily. There are three pillars that always need to be present if you want to have easier, uh, easier visit online. So the first one that I was already um, talking about as well here is electronic ID card. So if you want your people to uh, actually access their information online, it needs to be provided in the most safe way. You can't do that way that you're just going to give other names and, and they can create themselves a passwords because the, the most easier way to uh, like attack people and the hacks are like usually happening that way. It has to be more secure. And this is why the electronic ID card was introduced in Estonia in 2002. Um, because we have on our electronic ID cards, we have two different bin codes. Bin number one, to identify ourselves, and bin number two, sign documents to vote online, and of course also encrypt documents, which is needed. You want to send some documents that are more sensitive. And these bin codes are given to me by the police. So again, uh, I guess this is more secure than myself here thinking about some kind of passwords. So it's, it's very, very necessary. And um, then, of course, uh, we don't do only things with our physical cards anymore, but people have um, like moved over to their mobile phones now. That's why we, of course, also needed to find solutions that everyone could do things on mobile phones. And that's why today we have mobile ID, uh, which is based on our SIM card, the same um, features as, as the electronic ID card, but just works on my phone. And then Smart ID, which is an application on a phone that we also tend to use here for uh, many, many years now. And then uh, the most, um, I would say, attractive thing for you, uh, the e-residency solution. I wasn't prepared to talk about the e-residency, but I can just give words also about this and, and then you can ask questions later on also if, if you have uh, more things as well. So the e-residency solution actually was introduced now a little more than five years ago. And we were thinking here that if these 99% of the services are working fully online and our people can take advantages of, of this system here, why not to allow other people, other people that are not Estonians and other people that are not living here in Estonia, have the same access to the services and to actually taste the life of digital society. And, and this was the point where we created the residence solution. And today, any person from any side of the world and go online and apply for the e-residency without having to come physically here to Estonia. All you have to do is fill your information online, uh, provide your password, password information there, and just some kind of things that we could make your background uh, check 
all we need to know there, by the way, is just that you're not criminal. That's that's all that matters. And if everything everything is okay with the background, then we will send uh, this iris the card to the nearest Estonian embassy to you. Uh, you need to make a physical visit there once because of the security reasons that we can actually see that you exist because that, okay. that's what matters to us. And then you need to leave, uh, need to leave there your fingerprints again for the security measures. Um, but um, and, and then you can get the card. And, and what kind of advantages do you have with this card is that as Estonia belongs to the European Union, so with this card now, you can actually create the business uh, by still being in Lebanon and, and, and opening your computer without having to come here to Estonia. You can create yourself a business. And as you belong to the European Union, then you can also um, provide the services that your company does all across Europe and access the European Union market the way we do here in Estonia. So you would be just like an Estonian e-resident who has all the rights that we do have here. The only things that you don't have is that um, it, it is not a visa, so you can't really come and just travel uh, with this card. Uh, so that's not a travel document. But uh, for, for the business reason, you have absolutely the same things as we do as well here. So I think the wonderful thing that we have been uh, now providing for for more than five years for people, and, and by the day we already have 69,000 people from across the world that are using this solution, and there has been more than 10,000 companies established in the past five years just because of this solution here. And I think, again, it gives you a chance to be more location independent and, and do everything remotely. And, and this kind of solution is, is mostly uh, meant for uh, people that are also uh, digital nomads. And I'm, I'm happy to tell you that if you are, or if you know a friend who is a digital nomad, then um, we also provide them now even a visa, a special visa, that they, they can also travel here to Estonia, they can travel to the European Union if they have a company established in Estonia and if they have a residency card. So this is something that was just released uh, last week, so we're still very excited about that, and we're excited to offer this solution for uh, people all across the world. But enough about that, you can ask all the questions later. Uh, but if, as I said, the process of identifying yourself is very important, but if this has been already successful, then of course the data exchange has to be uh, very safe and, and secure as well here. And since 2001, Estonia have been using a solution called Xroad. So our government agencies store only very small amount of information about us. Um, it's all decentralized and divided. So we don't use any kind of central cloud system here, but actually decentralized way. Um, so Xroad data exchange layer just helps us to exchange information between different government agencies. And of course, every single data exchange is being encrypted and it's timestamped. And me, as a citizen of Estonia, I can check this from my logbook system. When any kind of government agency or even a private business have been checking or exchanging my information, I have this logbook system where I can log in and I can see exactly which government agency at what time, which part of my information was written for. Could you ever see this information when you have things on paper? That this person stepped into the office and, and check your paper. You will never get to know about this. We do have a chance to see this here. And this is where the trust is coming. And then, of course, my favorite topic is the security. So, if uh, again, uh, verifying yourself there is great. Data change is working. 
then we needed to provide an extra level of security. And that's where the blockchain came in. And today we also have realized that wars are not happening on crowns anymore, at least not here. Um, so we're not expecting this to happen anytime, but they are happening every single day online by different ha like hacking and, and, and backstabicity. And that's why we said it's not just enough if we have our forces here in Estonia, but we also need to have cyber forces. And cyber forces today here in Estonia are called Cyber Defense League and Cyber Command. So we have this kind of people, uh, by the way, they're actually voluntary based, uh, who are prepared and exercised when there will be some huge attack to the state here, then they are ready to uh, protect us as well here. And I think this is just great. And, and, and if you would think about that, what will happen with Estonia when all of this information is, is still hacked some way, or let's say if someone is coming here and there's a huge fire and, and someone is burning down our servers, what would happen? We also have a backup plan. We also realized that, hey guys, we need to have something that has a backup plan. And, and, and now uh, for quite many years already, we have had, had our backup plan, which is called Data Embassy. So we have backed up our information to um, our data embassy, which is based in Luxembourg. So if there will be something happening here in Estonia, we will still get back our information. So what we like to say here is that there has to be a way to download data again. And this is what we're, uh, we, we would try to do if, if something would be lost here. So um, to also continue here regarding the business environment part as well. So, of course, if, if the state is operating in a very well manners and then like if everything is, is working great, um, then it also attracts um, different businesses to establish their company here. And, and just some numbers also about our business sector here is that 98% of the companies are established fully online. It takes almost uh, only half an hour. Again, you can do that on your sofa um, to establish a new company here in Estonia. So that's why we have attracted a lot of business here. All these kind of banking transactions are also uh, happening fully online. Uh, so you can see 99% of them are fully uh, done online. Only, of course, this 1% when these transactions are with a very big money that you need to transfer 100,000 euros to someone, then sometimes they ask you to come to the office because that, that would be uh, just a huge mess otherwise. And um, our tax declaration, by the way, has been working online already since 1999. Um, again, I uh, it wasn't the mistake that I was saying, but 1999. So for more than 20 years, we have been declaring our taxes online. And now uh, when we had tax declaration, which happened now back in February, uh, then 98% of our population declared the taxes online. And I think, again, that shows how many people actually use these uh, solutions online. And the e-residency, which I also uh, mentioned uh, before as well here. So um, some facts as well here is that what are very necessary if uh, if you want to have a digital govern, uh, governance and, and this kind of solution, these services. Um, of course, it all starts with um, digital-minded leadership. And that's what we had since the very beginning of days. And again, I'm asking you to look into the eyes of your politicians because that's where the decisions are actually starting. Uh, we... We would love to do everything in, in, a, in a private sector, but if it comes to the legal part, then these are the politicians who make these decisions. And that's why I would say Estonia was, again, a lucky case 
because we had wonderful leaders that time who were pretty much um, always stepping outside of the comfort zone. And one of my favorite persons in the world, our uh, former president, uh, Thomas Henrik Gilvest, um, he said that a student government that time had this kind of mindset that they said that we are like a startup um, because they said, okay, if it's not going to work today, we're going to try to do something better tomorrow. And have you ever seen a government who is saying, if it's not going to work this time, we will create something better tomorrow. All the governments are like so afraid of making mistakes. We said a mistake is a lesson and we can learn from that. And I really wish that I could spread this message to the entire world and saying we shouldn't be afraid of making mistakes. And this mindset is so much needed. At um, least we try. At least we have to try. This is something very important. Yes, exactly. Um, and, and, and one central, um, central also principle is here um, is once only. This is what we have been trying to always keep here in mind. Um, because uh, what we said is that we don't want our citizens to submit their information more than once. So this is how that works today here. I can, I can give you a very great example here. If I would, I don't know, let's say I buy a new apartment and I, I need to move to a new place. I only need to go and update my new home address in one single platform. And this is population registry. I never need to call different agencies or government institutions or my uh, private institutions that, hey, guys, this is my new home address here. If I submit this information once in, in population registry, I don't need to do that twice anymore. And this is where the extra is helping us here. If you have submitted the information once, it will you be... You can use submitted. it many times. Yes, exactly. that's how it works. Good. And then we also have a mindset that everything should be digital by default. Um, so that if you're going to develop some new solutions, they have to be fully done online, no steps back anymore as well here. And then the last slide, uh, so we can get to your questions here, uh, is about the future, because I really feel that the future looks right, even though that we are facing such a hard time right now. Uh, we have some amazing plans for the future, and I'm happy to share them with you as well, where the transformation is going. So today we have 99% of the things working online, but people still need to do these things online, as I said. Is this a scoop for us? Sorry? Is this a scoop for us? You know, first time you're going to say it? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so, so the plan side here is so 99% of the things are working online, but why do we still ask people to do these things online if they already have an information? We're going to now make everything work and proactive. So people wouldn't really need to do these things anymore. And a very, very great example for you here is about birth education. When a baby has been born here in Estonia, today we already have one proactive service there. Birth education is being submitted online by the hospital because all of our hospitals are also working fully online. Uh, it's being, um, again, sent to the, to the uh, central system there, and it's going to be linked to the parents. As soon as the parents have been recognized by the system as a new parents, then they're going to start getting family benefits from the government by not having to do a single thing. The parents are still at the hospital. A baby has just arrived. Uh, the doctor has registered the baby uh, that this baby has been born. And the parents are person Nix and person, um, I don't know, uh, O. And, and then they start getting family benefits. 
why do we have to do things? And uh, I actually just proved that, hey, I just got a baby. Then what, what's the point of that? Um, and, and there is going to be a lot of new proactive services also in development now quite soon. Um, and of course, AI is, is an important topic as well. Uh, so this year, we try to replace 50 public services by AI solutions. So all these kind of very manual things uh, that people uh, like are very annoying to do. Uh, so we try to replace them by AI solutions. And we will continue doing cross-border digital governance. And that's why I'm looking into your eye right now as well. Please do develop your systems so that one day Estonia could also start doing cross-border uh, projects uh, with your government there. Um, and we could start exchanging information between each other. And if any one of you is, is moving to Estonia, you could take your information with you as well without actually having to take anything, but it will just come online. Um, and, and we have done that now together with, uh, with Finland, uh, with Sweden, with Iceland, uh, with Portugal and with Spain. Uh, so these are the countries that we have currently developed some kind of cross-border uh, data exchanges for here. And then, of course, um, the e-health sector will remain very, very important. And that's why we also have a plan to make our e-health sector very, very personalized. And that means here that we have been collecting gene tests from people, uh, from uh, like more than 200,000 gene tests were taken and for free. And now it's time to start analyzing the information there so that we can start again sending people notifications that uh, you are in, in some kind of risk group. Maybe you should come for a checkup. Uh, if before uh, a person will get the prescription medical, then we can also, by the doctor, we could check the, uh, the gene test and see exactly this medical is working for the person or no. Um, so I, I guess technology is able to help us to live much longer and, and live much more healthier life. And, and I'm asking, why don't we do that yet? So I think this is very, very important. And, and we will try to invest again as much as time and money and effort in this, uh, that our e-health sector would be more personalized and would make people do into their longer life as well here. So that was just a very, very short conclusion of 20, uh, 26 years of hard work that we have been doing here. I would be happy to, uh, to spend the entire day with you uh, once the borders are opened. Uh, you can come and visit us here in Estonia and I would be happy to, to show how things work here. And then we can talk about every single aspect. Or if any one of you is still interested in getting to know about one single solution or, or any kind of uh, things as well, if either it's cybersecurity or e-health or e-education or whatever, um, you can also go and visit our homepage and make your online booking there. Uh, we do uh, this kind of uh, also online meetings and then, then we... Uh, we can we can explain you things on a very 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 specific way, and we also of course also organize um, business engagement so that you can also meet up with Estonian companies online and actually ask from the companies who have been doing this job uh, behind the curtains uh, how did you do this? Uh, so that's what we organized here. So thank you from my side now uh, for my uh, presentation part and. Now I'm more than excited to start actually answering your question. Thank you, Annette, again. Uh, I just launched the poll. Okay, yeah. It's really basic question, mm -hmm. but I just want to take the feedback of the mm -hmm. participants today uh, because our experience in the e-government is uh, somehow still 
Hopefully, one day we'll get there, but I think uh, we're still far. We're, there's a lot of initiatives done. There's a lot of preparations done, uh, but we're we're not there yet. And then I know that there was a delegate uh, that went actually and met up with the E-Estonia E-Governance Institute, and I'm sure uh, yourself also, uh, to try to take some experiences from there. So... Uh, your your debate, not your debate, your comment about the divorce and uh, and the marriage that you have to go and visit uh, uh, personally, or you have to go and do it personally, has uh, done some couple of comments here, and then uh, I'm going to ask uh, one of them. Uh, all right, which one? Okay, uh, since there is legal cases, okay, online, and divorce can be one of them, right? So why was not it was not decided to go online or something like this? And uh, there was another comment. Was it related to culture or? So um, it, it's more related to the culture. And as I said once already, that this is very traditional link. Yes. I think we buy more properties and do transactions and legal cases than we get married or divorce. And I really still believe in a society where you only get married once. True, um, true. And and hopefully the divorce will not like actually be be followed there. Um, so so we've been thinking here a lot about this. Um, that that it is currently. I have to be honest with you on table that some people still say. I mean, we should have this also working online. Um, but then there is other part of the government that is saying, "Hey guys, this is very cultural thing. This is very traditional thing. Not uh, let's not put it online. Uh, it's just going to ruin everything." And then, secondly, uh, as, as we know that there are many, many rights that uh, come with, uh, with with marriage and divorce. Can you imagine that I'm currently here all alone at home, and there is someone moving into my apartment, and and coming over here, holding the gun on my head, and saying, "Okay." You have to go online now and you have to get married with me. As okay. soon as we will do this kind of thing here, he will get a part of my apartment. Okay. I don't want this. I'm sorry, okay. but I really okay. don't want the okay. random person to get this. True. True. So there are too many rights and, and things that come with uh, the with marriage and divorce. Um, so, so that's why it will be a huge mess when people would be able to do this online. So that's, that, that's the most Thank you. So uh, I have shared the, the poll results. 80% has responded. I just wanted to know for them what is actually an e-government. Uh, I know uh, my, it was kind of a straight answer, but for me, e-government is actually all of this, all of them uh, joined together. And most majority, because here in the country, we lack, we lack trust in the government. So my, the majority of the people has answered uh, trust. And I think this is the first thing that a government, especially uh, e-government, that will give trust to the services and to, to, to the citizens. And then followed by that is definitely uh, services. This is the output uh, that you get by uh, e-government or digitalization or digital transformation. Uh, Annette, would, would it be that digital ID, the building block, of digital transformation or e-government? Yes, I would say I would say for sure, yeah. Because, and, and if you hey. if you, you said as well that um, like this all like the e-government is is consisted of these all of these things that are on, on a list here, I, I fully agree with you. There are so many aspects of that, but but I I, I fully feel from my side here uh, that trust 
and transparency are the main things when it comes to the e-government um, because people need to know how things are, are done. Sure. I have shared the, the contacts of LinkedIn uh, of myself and uh, Annette. So please feel free if you want to connect and uh, network. Uh, I'll go for the second question, which is, uh, okay, just hold on. Okay. I, what I know when I've attended the last e-governance uh, conference that, uh, that was uh, done around two weeks ago or three weeks ago, and I've seen some, I've heard something which really interested me which is scenario-based uh, approach, okay? So I don't know if you can shed some light about it because uh, it's really interesting. If you want to create services online, they, these services has to be uh, actually uh, something uh, needed. So you take this uh, scenario-based and then you start developing your services on it. Can you shed light about the, this approach? Yeah, I, I fully agree, and there there has to be a need for that, and then and people uh, people need to crave for some kind of things there, and I, I think it's also very very important before you start developing something, um, you, you actually understand about this kind of needs and and the feedback from that from the citizen side as well, and this is what we have been trying to do since the first day ever um, to get always the feedback to to actually talk to the citizen, and I guess this kind of communication part is is honestly very, very important. Um, and, and of course, also, if it even comes to some simple things as signing things, um, so you need to, of course, also always consider that people have different backgrounds and different knowledge and everything. And, and that's why this communication always needs to be in present and you would understand about both the needs and, of course, also awareness of that as well. I think this is this is quite important, and 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 that's what we have tried to keep in mind. And and whenever we do something here in Estonia, we we always try to keep one principle in mind, which is called KISS. So that means keep it simple and short. Okay, I have a couple of questions about e Estonia uh, e residency. Actually, I'll I'll leave them a little bit uh, later on mm -hmm. uh, from uh, Naim and the rest. I think most of the people here are ready to do, to go today to. Uh, Estonia residency program. Uh, there's a lot of interest in here. I heard you talking about the, the ranking of uh, Estonia in, uh, in the world and in Europe. Do you mind just shedding some more light about why Estonia is leading uh, and comparing to the Nordic also? They are, I think they are also leaders in this. Mm -hmm. So, so, so comparing to the, to the Nordic side, I, I would um, I put an example of, of Finland. Um, this is our wonderful neighbor, and I, I really love all the Finnish people that are so funny and, and great. And they have, of course, been supporting Estonian in many senses. Um, I can give you an example that how important one single decision is. So it was it was back in 2002, as I said, when we established this e um, like electronic ID card. Um, that was an example from Finland. Um, I mean, they were independent already way longer than we were. Um, and they have had this kind of electronic ID card already before Estonia did as well. So we kind of like copied the card from them. But uh, Finland uh, made one decision in a little bit different way. So as I said, in Estonia, we decided uh, that the card has to be compulsory. But Finland said, okay, uh, we are super liberal country. We're not gonna force anyone to, to go and get the card. 
And, and what they achieved by not making the card, electronic ID card, uh, compulsory is today only 40% of Finnish population have this electronic ID card. It's 40%. And if you think about this today, this is still a problem. Because if 60% of the people don't even use this, what's the point of having e-solutions? You okay. still need to think, uh, like actually, you still need to have things working paper and online at the same time. And you might imagine just how expensive it is to have things working both on paper and also online. And how much duplicated information there is. So we're talking about market penetration and inclusion of uh, the rest yeah. of the people. Yeah, and and, and, and this is just... This is just, I guess, a perfect example to show how important these kind of brave decisions are. It can influence you forever. And, and, and that was a point where also, because we receive so many people from Finland that are coming to Estonia and asking, how do you do this? And they would be way ahead of us when one decision would have been made differently. So, so of course, Sweden, Um, they're doing wonderful in, in a business sector and in a private sector, but they also haven't had this kind of central body of, of designing e-government solutions uh, as well. So um, there might be like an issue there. Um, yeah, even though that we see that some sometimes in, in a business sector and, and ways to, um, to have, I don't know, e-commerce solutions, they might be better. Uh, but at the same time, the centrally governance part is, is necessary. Okay, thank you. Uh, Naim, are you with us? Do you mind opening yes. your mic and asking your question? Yeah. Oh, uh, I asked the question that I wrote in the chat. Yes, please. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, so uh, I asked that if we register, let's say we register a, any business in Estonia. Okay. Are we able to to set up a Stripe account, for example, a payment gateway uh, An American payment gateway, let's say, like Stripe, and start receiving um, money from anywhere, anywhere in the world. So yeah, that's that's, that's a very good question, and and, and something uh, that needs to be mentioned here. When we started with this, uh, there was a problem because um, there was like some kind of regulations that said you need to open a bank account in Estonia, which needed that you would need to come physically here. But this became a huge problem, and we said, okay, we, we, it, it's not going to work if, if we ask people to actually still come physically here. So we exactly. changed we changed the law, um, but still um, different banks are very like okay, but we can't let people to open bank accounts online because this is too risky. And and now we changed this regulation completely, uh, so there is no need to have an Estonian bank account in order to establish a business. The thing you need to have is that you need to have an IBAN, which is an Estonian number. And that's why we recommend you to use such company as TransferWise, which is an Estonian company, um, I guess the same uh, futures as, as the Stripe has. Uh, but the TransferWise lets you to transfer money in a very, very low cost from across the world uh, to use. Um, for example, a, a great example, why do we have a lot of people from Turkey who have this e-residency card? Is because in Turkey, PayPal is actually forbidden you, you can't use this um, but uh, now when these people have an Estonian electronic and uh, this series in the card they can use transferwise and they can still use PayPal and actually ask money from the customers by using this online solution so this is how we we try to solve this as well okay 
Thank right. you. Uh, Thank I you. just want to ask you something about the time of COVID in the last three, four months. Mm -hmm. uh, was the e-services stress tested? Oh, I'm sure it was stress tested in the, in the, when, when going live and everything. But was it stress tested this time by the people during the COVID? Because in our cases now, everything has went online. Uh, education has went online. Uh, everything, buying has went online. But you already had something there and uh, it was, I'm sure it was stable. Uh, there was a surge. Was there a surge or it was kind of normal uh, services or they were affected? Yeah, um, I'm actually gonna gonna uh, release an article about the exact numbers and everything next week. So you can follow me on LinkedIn, and then then you can you can see the article there. Um, but to tell you already sneak peek of of the article, so the numbers have been increasing so much. Everything is anyway working online, but now more and more people have been starting using this these solutions online. For example, um, in February 2020. Uh, 380,000 people uh, were signing documents online. So uh, 380,000 signatures were given in, in February 2020. In May 2020 now, it was 680,000. It's almost half more than in February. So again, it, it showed us here uh, what our uh, state information authority just confirmed me yesterday was that it was a great proof that a digital state was stable and was working even though more people started using that. And in some of the services, the increase was also almost 50%. Uh, the extra data exchange layers also 50% uh, of increase because people had to be at home and they did more things online. Um, so it was it was fantastic to see that, um, that now also more people feel that they, they needed to start using this solution every single day. But I, I would say it was just a wonderful test to see if we will survive, if so many people are using the solutions and we came out stronger. Very good. Now I'll, uh, I'll be waiting for that uh, paper. Before I go into fully, uh, because most of, not most, I have a lot of questions about uh, e-residency and the uh, laws, taxation laws and some financial. Uh, what do you think is the best strategy? You've mentioned a lot of things, but to focus the, the talk, what is the best strategy for digital transformation in countries that really don't have much and then they want to actually succeed or do something? Um, what I would say from my side and what we have learned by this Tony example here is that try to divide the responsibility. Try to have one central institution who is like designing some kind of strategy, how to do things, but then divide and give away this uh, kind of responsibility. So I believe that there is, let's say, a Ministry of Education in Lebanon. There is Ministry of Social Affairs. Give them responsibility to de develop something. Don't do this in, in one single place alone, because they are the experts. And this is, again, what we have been trying to do here, that everyone would have their own responsibilities. And, and that's why this has been working, because everyone do their own stuff. And it's like competition. You always do better than some other ministries. They all have this um, like departments of innovation, um, but um, but then there is Ministry of uh, Economics and Communication who is like um, actually leading this strategy, and and they have a power of controlling and then just also getting the feedback how well you are doing. 
but everyone still need to be responsible for their own things. So let and, me ask you something differently. Yeah. What are the challenges that you faced? And the challenges that we faced. So, um, execution, especially in the beginning, I'm sure there was a lot. There was a lot. Um, so, so of course, uh, from the beginning, uh, we we didn't think about some kind of things. Uh, like, for example, there was, um, uh, you know that we have e-prescriptions, right? So we have them on our electronic lighting car where we don't have any kind of papers for the prescriptions, but we get our um, our prescriptions by just electronic lighting card. And, and there is a special system for that. And then every single month on the day of, and we were like, Okay, this is pretty interesting. Can you, any one of you, just uh, maybe um, come up with some kind of, uh, I don't know, um, um, reason why why this entire system was crushed every single uh, month on the date of fifth? Any kind of, I don't know. Some, somebody went home. <laughs> so, so if you, you know, think about that. It's, it's because we it's, had this experience here, month, by the way. One single, uh, one single day and the entire system was crushed. So, um, and who are the ones that are usually buying the prescriptions the most? Older. Most popular older. age group that is buying prescriptions. High age group. It's elderly people. Yeah. And we had the day of pension on that day. Okay. So they get their, their pension, their retirement money on the fifth of, uh, of every month. And of course, if you get your pension, your money, then that's the day when you're driving to the city you get uh, take your money and you're going all the way to the uh, pharmacy, and then entire system was crushed. And and we learned that again that it was under the pressure and we needed to somehow like uh, to put more power there. And I, I would say again, these kind of things happen that we could learn from them and we could develop something in a in a little bit better way. And and of course also. Um, one of the biggest lessons is that also you can't do anything alone in, in, in public sector. Since the very beginning of the days, we have been doing everything together with our private sector. So this kind of cooperation between the private sector and the state needs to be there. And, and, and for example, um, so we, we like to say that way. And I, I, I really feel when I've been meeting different governments is that they need to understand the private sector is never your enemy. It's your biggest friend. And you need to keep these people that are working in private sector as close as possible. They have the knowledge. They have experiences. They have more resources. And you need this in public sector. So keep them close. Do the work together. Because these private sector people are going to pay taxes to you anyway. So it's like around that is going that way. All right. So I can start going into the e-residency program. If you can uh, do a, a small, uh, I don't know, a briefing about it, and then we'll start taking the questions. So I already mentioned all these kind of uh, things. Presentation. Yeah. Would, would you want me to, uh, what exactly would you want me to? Just high on? level. Uh, what is it? How uh, it is? And then we'll go, uh, we'll uh, take the couple of questions so we can set a standard so everybody can go into the. Okay. I, I actually, um, uh, I have a better idea. Um I'm going to share my screen with you for a second. Just hold um, on, let me re-allow you. Yes. Okay, here we go. So um, it's better to understand about this by actually showing you the numbers. Um, people like numbers, so there we go. So as I said, almost 69,000 people that already have any residency card. Let's go ahead and look of the countries. 
and then you can understand what are the benefits. So let's analyze here, let's say top uh, 10, that you will understand why people from these countries specifically have been applying uh, to get the new residency. Our neighborhood country, Finland, is leading the position, like they are leading this top here um, by by having more than 5,000 people. And, and they are a Scandinavian country who should be better, uh, but still there are so many people. So why do we have so many people from Finland who has applied for the residency here? Is because this actually gives them opportunity um, to do business cooperation with Estonian businesses by not having to sign a single paper on uh, on paper by their physical signature. Because this e-residency card is also giving you a chance to sign documents fully digitally. And this is why, uh, because we do so much business cooperation with Finland, so these people have applied and they can run their uh, business by still being in Helsinki or somewhere in Lapland and, and by not having to do anything on, on paper anymore. Secondly, uh, Finnish people, their salaries are a little bit higher than here. So they also like to invest their money by buying properties, apartments and houses here in Estonia. They can do all of this now also fully online. They can this rent life, their apartment. Sorry? This is live data. Yes. And and and, and they can do that again um, like uh, uh, online and they can rent their apartments out without having to again come here to give over the keys and to sign documents here again fully online here. Um, and, and of course, we have a lower tax level. So I can also tell you that Estonian corporate tax level is zero. Yeah, you heard this, this right as well. Our corporate tax level is zero. You only pay taxes if you take out the dividends. Okay, so, so uh, somebody asked tax. about uh, taxes. I think, uh, Michelle, you got your answer. Get ready your yeah. question, Michelle, you're next. So, uh, so the other ones that we have here is Russia and Ukraine. They are not part of the European Union. And we have so many developers uh, from, uh, from Russia and Ukraine who wants to develop different web pages and, and platforms, um, and, and they can do that fully remotely online by having this solution and offer their solutions all across Europe. And of course, also, there is a lot of also business consulting here. So uh, business con uh, consulting can also happen fully over Zoom meetings uh, without you having to, to travel to Europe, and you can, you can consult different European businesses. So we have Germany here. One of the founders of European Union. We have more than 4,000 people who have applied from Germany. You know, Germany is the most bureaucratic country that you can ever find here in your European distance. I, I hope there is no German listening at the moment here. But honestly, I was I, I had some delegations from Germany um, in the beginning of this year, and I was asking from uh, from one of the delegates, like, how long would it take in order to establish a company in Germany? And they said it's approximately five weeks. And you need to visit around six or seven institutions for that. And if you can do that here with half an hour without having to leave your sofa, then obviously these people are more happy to run this solution here. Then we have China, uh, of course, again, accessing European new market as the main reason. They do, again, a lot of business consulting here. And, and they do also um, um, such thing as, as that, uh, developing part as well here. Um, I'm going to answer the question 100%. You need to have uh, e-governance as well in Lebanon. Uh, so UK, uh, who just exited European Union 
the numbers are increasing rapidly uh, because these people that are like owners of, of business in UK, they don't have to re-register their companies to Europe and then actually move them physically here. It's just fine if you uh, if you apply for the residency and then, then you can you can run your business in Europe still here. US goes the same. Um, European Union markets, India, Japan, again, same thing as well here. We have also a lot of people from France here, I know, that are listening. I uh, I used to live in France. I, I know how how difficult things could, uh, could be by also uh, using government solutions and then especially in the business sector. So that's why also the number of French people will be almost about 3,000 people already in the past five years. And I think it's fantastic to see uh, this thing as well here. Let's see if we have, okay. Uh, but on, a, on the right side here, we see also many companies. So how many companies there have been established. And then as we can see, almost 1,000 companies by Ukrainian people. Um, the average salary in Ukraine is, is around, if I'm correct, that was around like the average salary, like 300 euros per month. Um, so obviously it's it's a great way to these people that live in Ukraine still earn better, like more, uh, more money as well here. Um, and, and then Germany, almost 1,000 as well here, Russia, Turkey, uh, as I already mentioned, uh, the PayPal that they can't use in, in Turkey as attracted, and France, 650 people have been established in their company. And, and when I go all the way also here, we can see uh, the age and, and also the gender here. So uh, all these few women that are like currently listening to me as well here, please encourage, encourage more women also run their business because the numbers are so different here um, but when we see also what's the motivation for applying here then of course as we can see 30% of people want to be location independent and run their international business um, then 20% of people would like to bring their business to Estonia um, and then there are 10% of people that are just fan of the residency and then some people who just like to use this kind of secure uh, technology uh, as well here. Thank you for that, uh, Annette. So this is the last part. Uh, we're going to focus now fully on the uh, e-Estonian uh, residency. And uh, the second poll that we did, uh, definitely uh, <laughs> nobody should not argue, but for some reason, uh, one said, of course not, I'm sure, it's a, I hope it's a joke, <laughs> but the rest, uh, the majority of the people say uh, 100% it is a uh, necessity. Uh, I'll, I'm going to take a question from Yusuf Kalash. You had a couple of questions. you mind just asking two? And quickly, please. Yusuf? Yes, hello. Hi, Yusuf. I'd like to greet all my colleagues from the NCEI. Most of them are here. And... Uh, Thank you, Rudy, for the opportunity. And thank you, Annette, for the interesting uh, topic. I have two, two uh, quick questions. Uh, actually, uh, I'm more of a specific... Um, I ask specific questions usually, but my, my question will be a little bit generalized. Uh, I've been reading a lot about the Estonian um, EE government. And um, yeah, from, from, from the articles that I read, you notice that it's very easy to get on board and you, uh, to get you welcomed in the system, but it's very hard to conduct, to actually conduct business. So how can you answer this uh, concern? Um, I, I do not actually know why I would say that it's, it's, it's hard to conduct business because actually we, we, we do also have, if you set up everything already, and, and actually we do also have some kind of 
companies and Estonian companies and even local companies in your country who are like supporting you because uh, we we do have all of our state platforms in English language and we have companies that you pay them some amount of money and they deal with all of your stuff. So they help you to do all this kind of reporting and registering and, and, and stuff like that as well. And uh, But what is the, the only thing that is needed there is that if you want to establish a company, you still need to have a legal address. And, and, and this is what you need to uh, invest, uh, of, like that you need to find company who is providing you this kind of legal address. But if you need any kind of support by that, who are these companies and how they could help you, or if there is any kind of issues. I, I know a lot of my friends that are actually uh, running their companies by using e-resident solutions. And I always try to be a big help there. So if, if I could help you somehow, um, then uh, then just um, just let me know. Uh, but it's pretty hard to, to say what might be the, the biggest challenges that uh, these people are like facing. Uh, but we, we still try to uh, support them. And we have even a special team of e-residency who are like, always uh, up for a call. And, and then they fully support all the residency card holders. Uh, Yusuf, I suggest to have a full answer of this. Uh, possibly we'll take it a little bit more uh, later on and then uh, we'll see your uh, challenge or whatever you talked about. If okay. you have, uh, you know, so we can have possibly more information. Uh, Dr. Dal, uh, you are with us today. So would you like to have uh, inter uh, Here we go. Okay, Dr. Dal. Hello. Good evening, everybody. I am Dal Hetti. I am a coordinator at the Digital Transformation Network in Lebanon. I think I am the only one here that he vis I visited Estonia last year, and I was a guest in the e-governance academy. How are you, Anit? How are you? Fine? I'm good. I'm doing great. Okay. Thank It you. was a, gr a great opportunity for me and for the 11 experts we went Uh, we were invited by the e-governance academy from the Lebanese parliament. Really, it was a great experience. I've never seen something like that. Especially a very a country, an emerging country with uh, such a, a high level of technology and high level of ambition. And the uh, really, you have uh, solved so many problems with the e-government and the e-governance, especially about uh, starting work in uh, Estonia. And uh, I thought I, you know, I was late because I was in a meeting, in a webinar with the Lebanese University about the e-learning. And I think that in Estonia, you have many solutions for the e-learning and the e-distance learning. And now, it's, now we are in the e-word. E we are now in the e-word. Every, every, everybody is working e-word, e-commerce. E maybe in in the near future we will go to e love even so it will be a, we are changing everything in our in all over the world so i think that the experience and the uh, experience in estonia is something that you you might you have to learn to give it as lessons to everybody as a lesson in in all the countries and you are doing that in many countries i think you have a new governance academy solutions on, in all the countries. I invite everybody on behalf of uh, Annette to visit Estonia. It's a great thing to visit Estonia and to go to the e-governance academy. And I think that uh, 
maybe you may explain and i don't i maybe you have explained it but it's really easy to open a business in estonia it's not so hard but you have to believe in yourself and you have to accept the system because the system is so different from the system in our country in lebanon so we have to accept the system to be controlled every second and every day and every night and every time it's not the same system as in our country thank you for your time and uh, i will be uh, i'm glad to be one of you now thank you Uh, Michel, uh, are you with us? Of course. Quick questions. Yeah. yeah. Well, basically, uh, wanted to ask, what are the actual fees per year besides uh, renting a, a location? Like, what do you have to pay every year to have uh, your e-residency? So, so actually, um, to establish a company, like, um, I mean, to get the card itself, you pay for like 100 years, and this is for like... Uh, as five years that the cart will last. So uh, in order to establish a company, um, I, I can send you the exact numbers, but it very much depends which kind of company are you establishing. What's the purpose of the company? How many people? How large is the company? And, and so on as well. What type of the company and so on. But um, but but usually uh, what we... It, it, it's pretty hard to, again, to, to come up with the exact numbers. We, we do have on our state platform exactly by the state fees that you need to pay for. Like, you have, to do you it. have the link for the... Uh, so it, you can just paste it in the chat if you want. Yeah, absolutely. I can, uh, I can do that just actually in a, in a, in a quick second. Um, okay. Again, the... That will be better, I think, for Michelle to customize. Yeah, because I think yeah, it's actually the entire page is, is in... Uh, Is actually in uh, in English, so you can uh, you can you can see different kind of things. And um, what about taxes? You said there's something else we need to pay taxes on besides uh, zero. So, so with the, with the tax paying part here, um, so of course every country would like to tax you. <laughs> That's obvious, right? So um, you pay taxes here in Estonia if you are, let's say, a digital nomad that you decide to do that. But usually, in a most simple way to you explain where you would have to pay your taxes is that you pay your taxes to the country where you are actually physically in. So if you're like, let's say, um, opening your computer, we, we usually say that you pay the taxes where you open your computer. Um, okay. So if you do have an Estonian employees here, in, uh, here um, and you pay their salaries and things, then you can also pay taxes here. And as I said, uh, if you don't take any dividends from your company, um, then you are not paying any taxes, so the corporate tax level will remain zero. Okay, thank you, Michelle. Uh, Saria, would you like to ask your question or I will read it? As you wish. <laughs> uh, okay, thank you for the talk. My question is more about which sector in uh, Estonia may be best served with AI, if any already exists. So, um Regarding AI, like which sector might be best, I, I think it's it's actually pretty uh, difficult to say, but I would say maybe the delivery part. Because by the way, today I'm, I'm, I'm actually very excited to say that now, uh, but from today we have self-driving buses uh, that are legally driving on the streets. And they are also pretty much based on and also some of the AI part. We have delivering robots that are 
going around here on the streets, delivering uh, stuff to people home. Um, but but the, the self-driving buses are, I guess, just the next level of thing. And then I was I was this morning in office, and the, um, and there was a huge like uh, party or event there, and they had like four self-driving buses coming all the way there. And I was just I'm I'm living in a dream. And, and it's just fantastic to see. But so when did the, the, the government actually go into the AI? Uh, let me ask this also. Uh, so the entire process already, I mean, the AI, the strategy was established in 2018. Um, so uh, like that they, they said, now it's time to actually start developing again. When it comes to AI, we need to have the legal framework before. Sure. Um, because AI has some complex stuff, you know, that that might be there. Um, but but I would say maybe uh, the mobility sector is currently most developed by by AI part. Um, and, and of course, we try to start using this also in the e-health sector um, to do also make some kind of decisions and things there. And of course, AI might be just also just covering some very very um, uh, basic manual things. And of course, also in e-justice, uh, we, we currently are um, cooperating with the Estonian court system and then trying to find out what would be the most annoying things that they have to do every single day. And, and so we could actually uh, replace them by, by AI. Very exciting. Uh, it looks like uh, two years time and then you started having auto autonomous bus system that's and, crazy right <laughs> in under two years time almost years actually time. of course it was already like in in, in process and, and and before but like 2018 was a year when we established a document that said okay uh, now the legal framework is ready great uh, i have a question from uh naim you have a second question uh, okay, actually, thank you, Annette, for the talk, uh, all clear, actually. But uh, I have uh, another question concerning the e-business. E I just checked the, the e-business uh, program, actually. It's uh, exolo.io. Uh, it's yeah. a kind of a banking system also. Mm -hmm. But I just uh, noticed that it's for a single, uh, single founder businesses, like mm -hmm. freelancers and uh, all of this. Actually, what we do is mentioned in the in the description, which is software as a service. We provide software mm -hmm. as a service, but we are not a single founder. Mm -hmm. So, uh, is there this option to uh, allow this uh, in the future, or or maybe there is uh, some workarounds if we want to do this uh, now? Yeah. So, of so, so of course, I mean. Um the e-residency solution is the most popular, especially in, in, in freelancers and people that are like alone and running their companies alone. Yes. But we are currently trying to attract also like the bigger businesses uh, to establish their things as well here. And that's why especially these kind of partners from uh, from other um, like also the private sector part who are able to support especially the bigger businesses as well. Um, are, are currently in creation, I would say, that we, we, we try to also um, to find the proper companies that are able to help the bigger ones if they want to develop something as well. And I can get you some of the contacts if you can write me uh, a message later um, as well. Um, and, and, and I can I can also consult you in, in that way as well, who you should contact with and, and especially... Yes. Um, like how to do that as well. All right, thank you. Right, Guys, thank if you share the feedback form, uh, please, I really appreciate if you fill it up so we can really try to uh, enhance and bring more uh, topics and uh, uh, try to fix better the format. I'm running a second poll, uh, which asks 
is Lebanon ready for a government? We know the challenges, so please do answer. Uh, Alain, please uh, go ahead with your question. Um, hi, Annette. Um, I would like to ask, um, what were the challenges you faced um, in the early days of implementing digitalization? You know, back in the 90s, if you have some history around it. Where did you really start? Because today I'm, I'm trying to compare Lebanon's position um, we are starting almost from scratch. We have a strategy. Uh, where do we start? Because we don't have a proper infrastructure. We don't have the proper culture. There's corruption as Estonia had in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, so where? what is the best um, strategy to start the digital transformation and the digitalization, which is mm-hmm. maybe the first step of digital transformation? Thank you. That, that, that's a very good question. And, and I would say the best, uh, is to start from the scratch. <laughs> so actually, you're lucky if you can do that from the scratch because the countries that already have some things are, are struggling to like a little more. So so of course, uh, I as I said before as well, and I, I'm going to start from this side. So at 1990s, what were the biggest struggles? Um, what I was meeting actually with um, I was meeting with a former uh, prime minister of Estonia, who was a prime minister at that time when these decisions were made, and I was asking him the same question. And he said that actually there wasn't much struggle because when they needed to force these things in a parliament and and, and in, in, in a government, people had no idea about digital governments or, or technology at that time at 1990s. So there were like a bunch of people who had their experiences um, because they had been going they, they had been studying IT and, and they were just saying, okay, we have an idea, uh, it might work. And the other ones had just no idea about this kind of things. So, of course, today it's much more difficult to uh, go through this kind of transformation because every single person who is, an, who is a politician or is working in, in parliament or government has their own idea and their own opinion. And, and they, they think that they are experts. We didn't have that at that time. So they were more open to you actually test out things and 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 try to do this kind of thing. But what I would say here, uh, my two suggestions uh, that were also these three pillars on a screen that I showed you before is to start with actually the way how people could identify themselves. So there has to be a very safe way, especially that you log into the system. And I don't say that you should go and, and start thinking about the physical electronic ID card anymore. I guess in your country as well, many people have phones and the smartphones. Why not the jump all the way there? That's just starting, I mean, and, and six million people, it, it's not it's not that many people. And and it's just starting to like actually um letting them know what kind of opportunities they have and and then again that they would have a way to start using these kind of things. And, and then of course again look into the eyes of the private sector, cooperate with them. And then, of course, the data actions need to be there. Um, as, as also uh, mentioned here before, the e-governance academy, they are the ones uh, that are also consulting step by step. And they are also writing different projects um, to other countries as well. And that we do support them with our companies here. There are many, many uh, big organizations such as World Bank, for example, who is even financially supporting uh, different countries to do these kind of steps. So it's definitely electronic ID card part, data exchange, 
And then one very important thing that I will never, ever get tired of talking about is education. That's where it all started also in Estonia here, because if you have the services online, but people are not using them, then there is a problem that they have no idea how to do that. So what we did since the very beginning of the days was that we started transforming, transforming also our educational sector. So we provided computer courses already in high school, continued on universities, and then speaking about the elderly people who were struggling the most and still are, we started offering them free computer courses. So I guess you also think about this. If you want people to actually crave for these things or to understand how these services work, teach them. Because I believe, honestly, that we can solve every problem in a word by education. education. This Hopefully. is what I've learned. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Annette. I'm just going to read out uh, the poll. Is, is Lebanon ready for e-government? 63% said no, and only 25% said yes, and 13% said never. What? <laughs> Hopefully, with because we have a lot of corruption and uh, uh, bad execution, so possibly this is where things... But the majority says we are not. And I think today uh, there was something established with the Prime Minister Council Office uh, strategy, uh, but uh, due to the change of the government and later on with uh, Corona and COVID, uh, things got uh, delayed, of course. But at least as far as strategy, the structure, the governance structure, I, I saw it personally. And there was a lot of work on that part. And then we had it back in 2012, the national, at least something, uh, the national ID number. We, prior to that, we didn't have a single number per identity. But that's yeah. already, that's a wonderful start. And and, and, and I'm glad that you said that because uh, the identity number uh, is, is the key for everything. This is how data exchange can happen. And this is how you can identify people by not writing down the names. They are just a number. And, and, and this is what we need in order to have this kind of digital government. Uh, Dr. Renoir, please. Uh... Hi, Dr. Renoir. Hi. Thank you for this meeting. It's very interesting. My name is Genoa Jalul. Uh, I used to be a member of the Lebanese parliament uh, between 2000 and 2008. And uh, I ran for election, raising the flag of information technology and digital transformation since. I came from the American University of Beirut, from the Senate member, and with a specialty in IT, and I knew then that IT could help the country in, many, in so many ways. Uh, actually, we achieved something then because uh, the Information Technology Parliamentary Committee was established, and the mission was to establish the law for uh, digital transformation, e-government, and what have you. And we proposed, I proposed the e-transaction law for Lebanon, and uh, and was finished, proposed in 2003, in enacted in 2018. And it covers almost, uh, legalizes almost every aspect needed by the country in digital transformation, including e-money, uh, e-signature, e-transactions, uh, uh, e-loads, e-commerce, and what have you. It has like seven chapters and 130 articles and also cybercrime. So we have something in Lebanon and uh, the Lebanese uh, IT strategy was in, proposed then 
but uh, certainly was developed after that to become uh, a digital transformation strategy. Now, and we also, what I did as well is develop the first, uh, with a team, the first e-government solution for Lebanon. It was for E-Mukhtar of Beirut. Mukhtar is, is an elected person who takes care, I don't know how to explain it in English, but who takes care no, of all no, ID no. preparation. No. If you want an ID, then you go to, to the Mukhtar. If you want a national card, you go to Mukhtar. If you're married, you register through the Mukhtar and things like that. So we did the e-Mukhtar application then, and I trained 100 Mukhtars of Beirut to use it. But we didn't get through, although, although I was an MP and the chair of the IT committee. I tried to move on and to deploy the project uh, from Beirut because it is uh, the capital, and then to go through all e-Mukhtars of Lebanon. And why I chose the Mukhtar, because it uh, it is a service that would reach the citizen directly, and they would see the benefit of doing their uh, business online. So uh, it didn't get through for so many reasons. Some of them were political, other were uh, uh, the, the war that happened in 2006. And also there wasn't, wasn't the political will after that or help. And what we lacked in Lebanon then, there was a team with me. I was a member of a team who was in support of e-government e- e- and digital transformation. But unfortunately, the leader of that team was assassinated and the whole thing changed. Uh, the whole political scene changed and things stopped. So I don't want to go back that much. But what I would like to say regarding the government of Lebanon, uh, by then we used to do readiness uh, studies to know if the people are ready for such transformation. And uh, we did as well e-commerce studies for the country. And uh, now I believe the Lebanese people are ready. But we have other challenges in Lebanon now. One of them is the financial challenge. So we don't have money in Lebanon. We don't have dollars. We don't have funds. And this is one of the challenges I faced earlier. We don't have the right political framework or the right political will. These issues are the most important to address. There are so many enthusiastic people and specialized people who would be involved. And also the private sector is ready. But as a private sector, now I'm in the private sector and uh, doing my business there and still having challenges. Uh, So I don't want to go through them, but I believe uh, the Estonia story is very interesting. Experience is very interesting. And I truly hope uh, that uh, we reach at some point the leadership and the political will to be able to implement, we have solutions really. I think in Lebanon, we have e-education solution, we have e-learning solutions, we have e-commerce solutions and advanced ones. I'm in the private sector and my company, uh, my team developed advanced solution that for the country. And we have started working since 2005 and we uh, transformed those digitally with all mobile applications uh, and cloud solution. So we are not solutionless. We are not, uh, but uh, the problem is that now the private sector is sitting in one seat and the whole uh, political scene is in another seat. And this is a a grievance for all Lebanese, unfortunately. I'm an ex-politician now, but I am sitting in the seat of the citizens and the private sector and see they are suffering, how much they are suffering of the political leadership in the country. 
So a government is not, uh, Lebanese doesn't lack the knowledge or the technicality or the expertise. Of, of course, we can benefit problem. Uh, our problems are sitting somewhere else. And now the most challenge, and I can hear some of the colleagues here in the meeting asking you how to establish e-business and how we can transfer money because this is important now. For us, for example, I'll give one example. We have an e-commerce solution. If people pay us through the e-commerce uh, system, it's possible that we won't be able to pay the money to, to withdraw our money from the banks. So this is now as a private sector where Estonia uh, e-residency and e-business can be of great help. So I will... Um... Uh, but due to the short time that Annette has, I'll give it the last uh, minute to uh, end the talk and uh, because she has another meeting. Please, uh, Annette, uh, if you have to ask something to answer yes. Dr. Renoir or add to Dr. Renoir and... Uh uh, yeah. Thank you again. So, so thank you for thank you for actually making me also understand how far you are and, and what are the current developments and problems is there. And I guess every country is facing very challenging times, especially right now as well here. So I'm um, I'm I'm very glad to see again that you see that the like actually people are ready for the change. And I guess this is about the right politicians and the priorities. So and and again you said that you don't have money to do this kind of thing. So obviously. I mean, referring to this Conan example, we didn't have money either. Uh, but, but again, it, it's just all about this kind of priorities. And, and, and I, I believe that uh, regarding the case of your country, uh, there are organizations that are fully able to support you uh, financially uh, if you have a will. Uh, but of course, it all starts from, uh, from, uh, uh, from the politicians. And, and referring to the e-residency example, and, and why do we attract? Why? I do see this as a very positive thing is that it's not about stealing people from other countries to establish their business here. It should be a lesson for the other governments that people are going to go away if you're not going to change your business environment more friendly. And this is the fact. That's why we have almost 70,000 people who have actually flied away from their own countries because their system is not providing such kind of friendly business environment and and that should be a lesson thank you uh, Annette Dr. Renwa I'm sure uh, you are the leading uh, lady of uh, these electronic uh, laws that we had and last uh, was the 2018 uh, over 81 uh, electronic law which lasted for 18 years <laughs> to be actually uh, drafted and uh, approved Thank you all. Uh, Annette, thank you a lot. Thank you. Uh, I can, you can be excused. Uh, I know you have another meeting. I kept you more than uh, the time uh, assigned. Uh, I'll be here if anybody wants to ask questions. And, uh, and Rudy, if you want to, so you can also just forward me the questions and I can write them also. Uh, like writing answers also tomorrow, so it wouldn't be a problem. Thank you a lot, Annette. Thank you so much for everyone for listening to me all today here. And I, I really do hope that uh, I can meet you uh, physically also one day and that you are welcome to come and, and travel to Estonia one point. And, and I, I do hope that the future would look bright everywhere and, and things will get back to normal as well. So have a fantastic evening and I hope you're going to have uh, a wonderful year. Thank you, Annette. Bye-bye. Yeah.